Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. The Bible has a lot to say about what it means to have success. Listen as we learn about this life-changing word in this series called Secret to Success. Okay, we're all friends here, right? We can be honest about our past. How many of you ever had an imaginary friend? Go ahead, raise your hand. Do you have one? More of you did than that. Come on, I did. I had an imaginary friend. My wife says she had one. Sometimes I think she thinks I am one, just the way I act about things. And our kids all had one. I mean, I can remember so clearly, um, one of our kids, we were, we were leaving a building one time, and I was holding the door open for everybody, and they walked out, and I closed the door, and I got chewed out because the imaginary friend had not gotten out of the building yet. And I was being rude by not leaving the door open. One, one of our kids was just so like invested in this imaginary friend. I remember there was a whole family that was built around them. And I decided, being the warped father that I am, to have a little fun. So I took my cell phone. I went in the other room, and I called Rhonda, and I said, give our child the phone. And I said that I was the imaginary friend's father on the other line. Really weirded them out. The look on their face when they found out that there was a real voice attached to the imaginary friend was priceless and may explain some of what's wrong with them. But I don't take it back for a minute. Here's what's going to happen today. Our subject is friendship. And some of you, as we look at what God's word says, are going to find out that some of the people that you think are your real friends might not be as real as you think they are. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12 this morning. Proverbs chapter 12, we're in a series of messages that we're calling The Secret to Success. We have been looking at some different areas from the book of Proverbs at how we can be successful in life. We've talked about wisdom, we've talked about leadership, we've talked about our attitudes, we looked at our finances and money last week, and today we're going to talk about the subject of friendship. And friendship is huge for us to consider because who you spend your time with has a direct influence on who you are. Isn't that true? The people you spend your time with, the people you interact with, those that have influence in your life, have a direct influence on who you are, who you will become, how you respond to situations. So it's powerful for us to consider our friends wisely. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul was talking to the people in Corinth, and he quotes a philosopher of that time, says this about friendship. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. I remember having a fourth grade teacher tell me that. Chad, that person is a bad influence on you. Here's the reason why. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You know what that says there? It says you want to have friends who are wise. We want to have wise friends. So much so that the author of Proverbs goes on to say this. Proverbs 12, verse 26. The righteous... Choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So if we're talking about secrets to success, the question to consider today is, how do you successfully choose your friends? The righteous choose their friends carefully, Scripture says. So what kind of friends do you want to have? What kind of friends do you want to choose? Which takes it one more level when we think about this because it's not in the book of Proverbs, but there's an old proverb that says this, if you want to be a friend, no, (laughs) 
Good morning, Calvary. It says this, if you want to have friends, then you must first be a friend. Thanks. I gave you a little hint on that one there, so it's okay. So what kind of friends do we want to be? If you want to have wise friends, then you need to be a wise friend. So what kind of friend is that? What's so significant about this message, maybe even more so than a lot of others, is that it applies to every one of us right now today. You have friends at school. You have friends at work. You have friends in your neighborhood. You have friends here at church. You have friends that you interact with, really, in your family. If you're married, your spouse should be your best friend. So this concept of friendship and what Scripture says about it applies to us, all of us, in a very powerful way. So there's two questions I hope you'll consider today as we look at this. The first is this. What kind of friends do you have? The people that have influence in your life, how did you choose them? How do you evaluate the value of that friendship? How do the people that you spend time with affect you? And here's what may happen for some of us. For some of us, as we look at this, you may see that the value of some of your friendships is more imaginary than it is real. So ask yourself the question, what kind of friends do you have? And then I think the second component is this, what kind of friend are you? Solomon talks to us all throughout the book of Proverbs about choosing wise friends. Would Solomon choose you to be his friend? Are you a wise friend? So today what I want to give to you is, as we look at just a lot of different verses from the book of Proverbs, let's kind of group them into some different categories. I want to give you five traits of a wise friend. Today we're going to look at five traits of a wise friend. We'll kind of walk through these looking at the book of Proverbs, what it says to us about what it takes, what it means to be a friend. And here's the first one, five traits of a wise friend. Here's number one, a wise friend is a reliable friend. Number one, a wise friend is a reliable friend. What do we mean by that? Well, we'll look at this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. And so here's what we see here. If your friends are unreliable, your relationships are unstable. He says, look, if you have unreliable friends, then you're going to come to ruin. What he's saying here is if your friends are unreliable, then your relationships are unstable. And maybe it's important that we bring some definition to this, this whole concept, because there is a difference between Facebook friends and real friends, right? Isn't that true? Man, I got all kinds of Facebook friends, people that I've known in different places and all over the world and different seasons of my life, high school, college, different places we've lived. I got all kinds of Facebook friends. But they're not all real friends. It's such a weird thing because I can look at Facebook and I can know where you went on vacation and not have talked to you for four years. So you're my Facebook friend, but you're not necessarily a reliable friend because when I have trouble, if I reach out to all my Facebook friends, I don't think everybody's going to run to help me. I may know what you had for dinner, but I don't think you're coming to cook mine, right? That's the way it works. And this is key, especially in our society, that you have a real connection with people. Sociologists tell us, this is what's called Dunbar's number. Sociologists tell us that most of us have about 150 people in our circle of influence. About 150 people that in some way or another we're connected to. And that out of that group, there's about 15 people, friends, close friends, family, that really have influence in our lives. And when you look at those people, You have to ask yourself the question, are they reliable? How do you know? Look at this, Proverbs 27, verse 10. 
Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Here's what he's saying. Better than having all these relationships or even relations, what you need is someone who's close, someone you can count on. An unreliable friend is not there in the tough times. An unreliable friend isn't there in the tough times, but a reliable one, they're there. The truth is, when you're going through a time of crisis, that's when you find out who your real friends are. Isn't that true? When you're going through a tough time, the people that are there for you, that's when you go, okay, those those are my friends. Now, that's not meant to be um, a heavy. I, I just think it's reality. And sometimes that's good for us to think about because I watch it. I have a unique perspective as a pastor because oftentimes... I'm, I'm someone that, that finds out about a crisis or things in people's lives, and I watch this happen. And sometimes you're surprised at who doesn't, um, doesn't show themselves to be so reliable, people that you maybe thought were your friends. And you know why that is sometimes? I think sometimes it's hard for us in those times of crisis because when someone is sick or when someone has a loss or when someone faces something that makes us uncomfortable, it's hard for us to step in in those times. If you want to be a reliable friend, you know what the easiest way to do it is? Just be there. Just let them know you care. Just those simple ways of reaching out, of helping out, make all the difference. You don't have to have all the answers. They just need to know that they can rely on you, even in the tough times. Because here's what, here's what unreliable friendships do to us. Look at this. Proverbs 25, verse 19. This, I find this analogy so interesting. Proverbs 25, 19. Like a broken tooth. Anybody ever had a, anybody ever had a broken tooth? You bite on that tooth, how's it feel? Not so good. Like a broken tooth or a lame foot. Anybody ever stubbed a toe? You know how that feels? Like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 10. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day is Chad waking up his kids in the morning. You ever done that to your kids? They won't get out of bed. Just pull the covers off of them. They love it. They love it. I'm telling you, but here's what it says. Here's what it says. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Some interesting things here about friendship that you see. One is this. An unreliable friend hinders you from reaching your full potential. How well do you chew when you have a sore tooth? Not so good. How fast can you move when you have a lame foot? What kind of holds you down? What he's saying here is an unreliable friend keeps you from moving forward, from doing the things that you are designed to do. And then he goes on to say that an unreliable friend does not consider the state of your heart. Someone who pulls the covers off of you on a cold day, someone who pours vinegar in a wound, says those people are like someone who sings songs to a person with a heavy heart. When you have a heavy heart, you don't want to hear someone sing about how happy they are, right? You're not interested. And that person apparently did not realize the state of your heart. An unreliable friend doesn't pay enough attention or take enough time to find out exactly the state of your heart. They just want you to know about the state of yours. And as a result, it leaves you just kind of empty. Maybe you know some people like that. There's this secret to friendship. It's really interesting. There is no such thing in true friendship as a one-sided relationship. The deal is this. 
Friendship means that, that both people are invested and involved in the relationship. That's, that's a reliable friend. Magicians and hustlers use a little tool that's called a two-sided coin. Here's what it is, and you, you can buy it. You can, you can Google this, go out and find it online. It's a quarter that has heads on both sides. So if you're doing a little game of some kind, or if you're going to flip a coin and you call it, they know exactly what's going to come up because whatever flips on this coin, it's got two heads, so it's always going to land on heads. You know what they also have? They also have one that's all tails. And so no matter what happens, no matter how things go, they have the power to win, right? Why? Because this coin only has one side to it. So there's this, there's this powerful thing. You always win. But I've got some friends like that. That no matter how things spin, it always comes up that it's about them. <laughs> it's always about their circumstance, their relationship, what it means for them. And I look at that coin and I realize it's their face on either side of that friendship. Does that make sense? That's not what friendship is designed to be. Here's why. You take that coin and you try to spend it somewhere, how's that going to work for you? <laughs> it has no value. You're not going to be able to use that to purchase anything with. Here's what's interesting, though. I priced one out. You can get a double-sided quarter, a quarter with heads on both sides. They cost 12 bucks, 48 times the value of that quarter. So the reality is it has no value. It has no spending power. But that one-sided friendship is going to cost you a lot, a lot more than it's worth. That's not what a reliable friend is. A reliable friend looks at you, sees you, considers the state of your heart, a reliable friend isn't like this. Look at Proverbs 25, 14. Like clouds and wind without rain is one who boasts of gifts never given. Man, when you need rain and those clouds come in and you get your hopes up and then they blow past without dropping that precious cargo, a heart is broken. And an unreliable friend makes promises that they do not keep. Do you know those people? Oh, man, I'll be there. Oh, man, yeah, I got that. Oh, man, I'll give you that. Oh, man, I'll do that for you. Oh, man, you can count on me. And then when the time comes, no rain. <laughs> That's an unreliable friend. So odds are, as we've talked about this, you've had certain people come to your mind. Friends you have who really aren't that reliable. On the count of three, let's all just call them out by name. It'll be, no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Because the truth is, as I thought about this, you know who came to my mind? Chad. <laughs> I've been an unreliable friend quite a few times. So what do you do if you have an unreliable friend? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your phones out right now and we're gonna unfriend them all on Facebook. Are you ready? On the count of three. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know what you do? If you have an unreliable friend, don't rely on them. <laughs> Save yourself some pain. Save yourself some hurt. They'll still be your friend, but they might not be a wise friend. It might not be the one that you count on if they've proven that to you. If you have unreliable friends, you know the best thing you can do for yourself? Don't rely on them. But a wise friend? A wise friend is a reliable friend. Let me show you the second thing. Number two, when we talk about a wise friend, here's the second one. Number two, it's what I would call a peaceful friend. A peaceful friend. Someone who, who doesn't provoke you, but brings peace into your life. How do you mean? Well, look at this. Proverbs 22, verse 24 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. All of you have a mental picture of someone right now, don't you? <laughs> or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. The reality is that there are people in our lives who just kind of fire us up in a way that is, that is unhealthy. 
And a peaceful friend helps you to appropriately handle high-pressure situations. If you have peaceful friends in your life, you know what they do? They help you to appropriately handle those high-pressure situations. You can be around people who are hot-tempered or easily angered, and the truth is they're fun to watch football with, right? Get themselves all worked up. But they're probably not the best people to be around in times of conflict or times of challenge. And you certainly don't want to be with them in a traffic jam, right? What kind of friend are you? What kind of friends do you have? I'm so thankful because I have people in my life who have been willing to say to me at key times, Chad, you don't have to fight about this. Put your dukes down, dude. Don't get so worked up. You don't need to fight. And they've saved me a lot of regret and a lot of pain because they knew in the right moment how to bring peace to my life. This takes even a bit of a different perspective. Look at this, Proverbs 28, 7 about a peaceful friend. A discerning son heeds instruction, but a companion of gluttons disgraces his father. A companion of gluttons. What's a glutton? Somebody who just goes after their desires. They don't care about the consequences. They just know what they want and they just go after it. And if those are your friends, it ends up leading you to a place of disgrace. So a peaceful friend, the kind of friend that you need is there for you in the midst of adversity. I'm sorry, that's not what I meant to say. A peaceful friend will not pressure you to inappropriate desires. A peaceful friend is not gonna pressure you to inappropriate desires. They're not going to pressure you to do something that you wish that you did not do or to cause you to respond in the moment for something that you're gonna regret later. Have you ever heard of peer pressure? Does anybody remember junior high? I got a friend, I was with him just the other day, and he always uses this phrase, and I think it's interesting. When he talks about the people in his life, his friend base, he talks about the people in his orbit. Isn't that an interesting phrase? He talks about the people that are in his orbit. It tells me two things. One, that he thinks he's the center of the universe. That's one thing that he thinks. But actually, 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 it's a really cool illustration because there are people who somehow are around us in our lives. In one way or another, good or bad, they circle our lives in a certain way. They show up in different seasons and at different times. And what's interesting, if you take that analogy out a little bit further, they have an effect on our lives. Think about it. What orbits our earth? It's our moon. Does our moon have an effect on the earth? You ever heard of the tides? So what orbits us has a gravitational pull on our lives, and it affects us in one way or another. What kind of friends do you have in your orbit? Are they drawing you to desires that are unhealthy or inappropriate or destructive in some way or another? Because if that's the case, then they're not a peaceful friend. What you need is a friend who's going to give you perspective, not provocation. Somebody who's going to help you to make wise decisions, whether it be in a time of temptation or whether it be in a time of challenge or when you could be easily angered. Somebody who's going to come in and help you to get the right perspective in that time. That is a peaceful friend. That's why we need friends in our lives because as a result, they make us better. And that's why I would challenge you. But I think it's really important that you have friends In the church, I'm not necessarily saying that all your friends need to come from the church, 
But if at some point you don't have a base of friends that shares your values and your beliefs and your convictions and your priorities, it's going to be difficult for you to stand for some of those things or be encouraged in those things in times of trial. That's why friendships within the church are so important. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 says we do not forsake gathering together. We need each other because we need people who will speak into our lives in these ways. So one of the things that I hear sometimes is, well, you know what, it's, it's hard for me to find friends in the church because the church is really growing and all these people, what do I do? The other thing that I sometimes hear from people is especially, and, and I feel this way sometimes, is especially if you've been around for a while, it's easy for you to go, well, I don't know anybody because the church is big, the church is growing, and I don't know people anymore. And I have to ask the question of myself, is it that I don't know people anymore or that I don't like it that people don't know me anymore? Is it that I want to feel important? That I want to feel valued? Because, because the truth is, there's, there's all kinds of churches and all different sizes of churches, but one of the things that I've seen that's been really interesting, especially as the church is growing, is that as the church gets larger, it gives God more opportunities to help you to connect with other people. There's more people for you to connect with. And so there's this powerful thing. So I want to encourage you, find ways to connect with other people. Find friendships within the church. Look, a lot of you come in and you sit and you're assigned seat every Sunday morning. I know that because you're always there. You're right there. I saw last week somebody who's assigned seat is up there, sat right down here. I could hardly preach. It threw me off. I was like, hey, is everything okay? Are you all right? I was so thrown off. Here's the deal. Some of you come in, you sit down, you stand up, you walk out. Get to know the people around you. Interact with each other. You'll find that God can use that in a powerful way. Find people who are like you and connect and get to know them. If you really want God to do something cool in your life, find people who aren't like you and connect and get to know them. Let God speak to you through those ways. Our connect groups have been um, growing and moving forward, especially in this series of messages. Every week I'm hearing stories of how God is using each other to speak his word in people's lives. If you want to get to know people, do a serve project. You want to find out whether you like somebody or not, serve with them. That'll tell you. You'll find out real quick if they're a winner or a whiner, right? <laughs> Join a grow group. Oftentimes, I'm amazed at the connections people find when they're studying God's word or growing in their faith together. There's this powerful thing when we get to know each other. And some of you at about this point in this message go, this is the most unspiritual thing I've ever heard in church. I don't think this dude's even mentioned God once in this whole thing. It's just about people. How can this be spiritual? I get a talk on friendship on PBS. I came for church today. Here's the deal. God, th thanks, I thought it was funny too. Okay, here's the deal. You're my friend. Um, Here's the deal. So many times we think that if God wants to do something in our lives, it has to be vertical. That it's just us and him. But if you look at his word, he talks so much about the body of Christ. So much of what God has done of value in my life has not just come in this vertical relationship between me and him, but it's been in the horizontal relationships of me with other people. So much of God's work in my life has been him working through, speaking through, challenging through, encouraging me through my relationships with others. It's not just on that vertical level. It's the horizontal one as well. That's how God works. That's why the book of Proverbs makes such a big deal out of our friendships. You want to have a wise friend? Reliable friends? You want to have a wise friend? Then make sure you have a peaceful friend. Let me give you a third thing. Number three, an honest friend. 
Number three is an honest friend. That you have someone who when you know that they speak, when they know that they respond, when they interact in your life, number three, you know you have an honest friend. Here's what scripture says. It gives another word, kind of a different title to someone who is not an honest friend. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Gossip, that's that's a pretty interesting word when you look at it. And here's what you realize. An honest friend is more interested in the truth than they are in drama. What's a perverse friend do? Stirs up conflict. Do you know those people who seem to walk around with a stick just ready to stir the pot? You know what I'm talking about? Scripture calls that a perverse person. And that a gossip is more interested in drama than they are in preserving friendships. And the result is that many times our friendships are injured by people who aren't honest friends. And the beauty of technology these days is that that gossip can happen at the speed of light. Isn't that awesome? It just spreads. So that word gossip is so interesting because scripture uses it. We use it a lot. Proverbs uses it multiple times, about six times in the book of Proverbs. How do we deal with someone who we might refer to as a gossip? And I suppose it's key for us to know, how do you recognize them? If I want to choose wise friends, how do I know someone who, who might not be an honest friend? Or even more, how do I evaluate my own life to see how I fare? Let me give you just real quick, without, without going into great detail, let me give you six ways to recognize a gossip. These are some traits about gossips from the book of Proverbs. If you're taking notes, you might want to scratch these down. Six ways to recognize a gossip. Number one, a gossip is energized by drama. A gossip is energized. They find energy. They're excited by drama. We saw this in Proverbs 16, 28 that we just read. They like to stir up conflict. Number two, a gossip does not keep a secret. A gossip does not keep a secret. Proverbs 11.13 tells us that. Do you know people that you'd like to invite to a surprise party, but you have to make sure it's a surprise to them too? Because they just, they just, if they've got it, if it goes in here, it's going to come out there. They can't keep a secret. Proverbs 11.13 goes one more step, though. Here's a third thing about a gossip. It says that a gossip betrays a confidence. A gossip betrays a confidence. It's not just that they can't keep a secret, but betrayal is a powerful word. It means that they choose that it's more important for them to say what they've heard from you than to defend the relationship they have with you. You're just a source to them, and they betray your confidence. That's a gossip. Here's a fourth thing that scripture says about gossip is that a gossip tells you what you want to hear. A gossip tells you what you want to hear. Twice in the book of Proverbs, 18.8 and 26.22, Solomon says, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Why do we listen to gossips? Because they're interesting. Not always true, but they're interesting. Man, they tell us things we want to hear. Now, I'm only telling you this because I know that you and I will pray about this. (laughs) But did you know what I heard about Pastor Bill? (laughs) And look, I'm going to trust that you'll just keep this between you and me and the next person I'm going to tell. Okay, is that all right? (laughs) 
Why do we do that? Because we like what we hear. Gossip's not going to tell you the whole story. They're just going to tell you the part that they want you to hear. Here's a fifth thing, kind of a tell. A gossip talks too much. Or five, a gossip talks too much. We see that in Proverbs 20, 19. Here's a sixth thing. A gossip fuels the fire of conflict. They love the conflict. And if it's going to go out, they'll find some gasoline to pour on it. Proverbs 26, 20, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Why do I take time to talk about those things? Because if you've got somebody like that in your life, it's, it's probably a good thing for you to identify them so you'll know how to respond to them. And maybe if you're that person, it's a good time for you to remedy that. What do you do? Well, look at this, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Read that again. Look at that, because there's a powerful truth there. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Think about the word forgiveness. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Look, there, there are times and there are people in our lives who repeatedly hurt us, repeatedly sin against us, or there's issues that come up over and over again. And if that's the case, we have to be wise. We have to limit our relationship with those people. But sometimes when we're wounded or we're hurt or someone offends us, as that verse says, the very best thing we can do is forgive them and forget about it. Leave it there. Cover it over. Don't let that thing be the thing that you keep bringing up and keep bringing up and keep bringing up. At some point, you have to move beyond that because that's the only way that that relationship will be beautiful again. Years ago, we had, we had this spot that was in our carpet in the center of our family room, and the way that the furniture was set up, there was just this spot that was there. And I was trying to think about it, Rhonda. Honestly, I can't remember how that thing got there. I don't remember if it was the kids or it was the dogs. So that probably means it was me. I don't remember exactly why. I just know that the first thing you would see when you walked in that room was like, oh, look, there's that spot. So we had to do something about it. Couldn't really move the furniture because then you wouldn't be able to walk around. I mean, it was right in the, and so you know what Ronnie did? She says, you know what, let's get an area rug and let's cover that thing over. And so we put that area rug down and just to be honest, it not only covered the spot, but it made the room look better. The way it was laid out and that kind of stuff was like, that's cool. That fits there really well. Now, what I did not do on a regular basis was walk over and pick it up and go, you are so ugly. <laughs> and then put it back down. In fact, the truth is, we just, we just kind of lived without it. And the re- I'm being honest, I don't even remember where that offense came from anymore. I actually don't want to know, so don't remind me, because I'll get bitter all over again. You know what's better? Just cover it over. Because if it's there and it's done, what good does it do you to keep bringing that up? Proverbs says it just separates friends. I see this happen all the time. Do you remember that time that you... Do you remember that time that your mother, do you remember that time that, do you remember that? So many times it happens between a husband and a wife that there are things that we just won't let go. You know what? That's not an honest friend. An honest friend is willing to cover over an offense and see the difference that that will make. See, an honest friend, they're willing to speak and be your friend from their heart. The fourth kind of friend we'll talk about today is is kind of really close to that. Their concern is not just for their own heart. Their concern is for your heart. It's what I would call a trusted friend. Number four is a trusted friend. They speak words. They respond in a way because they care about you and who you are, a trusted friend. Look at this. 
Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend. Isn't, isn't that a weird thought? Because most of the time when we think about a friend, we don't think of someone who would hurt us. Why, why would a friend hurt us? But sometimes the very best thing that a friend can do is to say something or do something that will get our attention in such a way to what's going on in our lives, and it might hurt. It's a lot like surgery, isn't it? Surgery is a good thing if you need it, to take something out that's not healthy or to repair something that will bring health to you. But if they're going to do surgery on you, what's the very first thing they have to do? They got to hurt you. They got to cut you. Because before you can get to that thing, sometimes you, you got to do something that's painful. There's times, and I'm thankful for friends who have been willing to say to me, that, that thing you said, did you mean it to be so offensive? Did you know how that was perceived? That, that relationship that you have with that person, that thing that you're doing, those choices that you're making, don't, don't get defensive. I, I'm saying this because I care. This is going to hurt a little bit. But are you sure that's the best thing for you? Are these decisions that are wise? And oftentimes we, we get defensive. We don't like that. Why? Because it hurts. What kind of friend are you? If you're going to cause me to feel pain or challenge me in this way, the reality is what kind of friend are they if, ignore, if they ignore something that actually could bring you pain? You know what a real friend does? A real friend's not afraid to say words that hurt because in their heart, their intention is that you be healed. That's, that's a trusted friend. However, I like kisses a whole lot more than wounds. It's a whole lot more fun. It's a whole lot more pleasant. But what, what Solomon says here is that wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Do you know why an enemy multiplies kisses? Because they want you to feel really good about themselves, them and yourself. They want that relationship face-to-face to be really great, so then they can get you behind your back. That's an enemy. They don't care about you. They just care about how you feel in the moment so they can get what they want. The reality is, I watch so many people who, who wrestle with their value in life, with their self-worth. They're drawn to the kisses because those things feel good in the moment, and they align themselves with friendships that are not wise for them in the long term. Does that make sense? Don't be afraid to let wounds from a true friend that are honest and trusted affect you in a way that's positive so that you can move forward instead of buying into a relationship that actually only has evil for you at the same time. Many bad decisions have been made because of how someone has made us feel in the moment. You ever listen to a sales presentation? The things they say, the things they sell... There can be these moments where you are inclined to buy something that later you will regret. Why? Because of the kisses of an enemy. What's Proverbs say? Proverbs 27, 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. He says it's better that someone speaks to you words of open rebuke, that you hear those things. That's what a friend does. So why don't we do that? Why aren't we more faithful to take those times and speak difficult words to our friends? The reality is because we would rather be my dog. Here's, here's how this works. Oftentimes, I, I may be inclined to go, hey, I'll be home at five. 
but somebody catches me on the way out the door or I get a phone call or I get caught up in something, I lose track of time and I don't get home till like 525 and there's a consequence with that. I've usually disappointed someone if I get home late. Dinner's cold or someone's gonna be late to get where they go except for my dog. The later I am, the happier he is to see me. It's a wonderful thing. There's been times when I've known I've been late, all I've wanted to see was my dog, right? Because <laughs> of the consequences of what I did. So I'm happy to see Samson. We named our dog after the biblical character who rips things apart. I'm happy to see Samson. Not so much the people that I've disappointed sometimes. But what I need in that moment is not my dog. What I need is open rebuke. I need to be reminded, look, you, you disappointed us. You let us down. And every time you do that, that trust between us is injured. Sometimes the most beneficial thing that can happen to you is have a trusted friend speak into your life and say, hey, dude, this is messed up. You need to do something about this. Now, let me encourage you with just one more thought before we move on to number five. You have to earn the right to be a trusted friend. You have to earn the right to be a trusted friend. Some of you, because, and this is helpful, I mean, some of you, because of the way that God has wired you, because he's given you the, the temperament to speak a word of truth, to just, to be someone that challenges other people. Some of you have heard this today and says, Chad told me I'm supposed to tell you I'm your friend. You know what, some of you, before you walk out the church doors, you're going to openly rebuke 50 people. That's just, your, you're ready to go, right? I don't like that outfit. Thou shalt not wear that anymore. That is not thy color. Like, you're going to walk around trying to rebuke people in the name of the Lord. Look, don't do that. Whoa, what is that? Whoa, hey. I'm so sorry. I was getting an open rebuke right there. Here's, man, that's a face for radio. Here's the way this works, all right? Don't feel like God's telling you, you just got to call people out now. Look, you have to earn the right to be a trusted friend. Look at the biblical model. Who called Moses out? His father-in-law, Jethro. Who called David out? The prophet Nathan, who he had already had relationship and confidence in. If you don't have a platform to speak into somebody's life, you're just a heckler in the crowd. You have to earn the right to be somebody's trusted friend. But if God has given you that role, don't be afraid to be that person. And for heaven's sake, don't be afraid to hear from that person. Why? Fifth thing, a wise friend, number five, a wise friend is a better friend. A wise friend is a better friend. You know, oftentimes we, we categorize things by good, better, and best. And I want to encourage you that the best kind of friend is to be a better friend. Let me tell you what I mean. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. What's the point of friendship? It's that we make each other better. That as a result of our interaction, we're better. A wise friend makes you better. This is the point. If your friends do not have a positive impact on your life, then maybe you need to rethink your friendships. And don't get me wrong. There's all kinds of people in that circle of 150 we talked about, right? You may be more, you may be less. You, you may have some acquaintances. You may actually have some friends who at one point had a real influence on your life. Sometimes that's true that some of our past friendships are people who have had an influence, but maybe it's not a healthy influence anymore, and we need to change something about that. We need to get to a place where we're influencing them more than they're influencing us, but it comes down to this. At some point, you need to identify who are my trusted friends, my honest friends, my peaceful friends, my reliable friends, and are we making each other better? 
Men, I would encourage you, one of the opportunities that you have to grow in this is, is something we do here the first Saturday of every month. It's called the Joshua Project. Meets in the Connection Center. It'll be this Saturday, 8 a.m. And it's designed to help us as men be better leaders in the workplace, in our home, in the church, with our families. This week, we're going to talk about how do you lead through seasons of change in your life. Um, I would encourage you guys, it's a great opportunity to grow and become a better person. Maybe even make some new friends. Eight o'clock this Saturday, I'd encourage you to come out. But guys, as you evaluate, folks, as we look at our relationships, do we have better friends? And listen to what he said here. He says it's like as iron sharpens iron. Do you know what that image is? (laughs) That's a forceful image. That's an image of things coming into contact with each other. Sometimes even where sparks fly. But if you don't have those moments where you deliberately work to make your spouse better and allow your spouse to speak into your life, where you make your friendships better, where you try to help people that you work with, that you serve with, that you know to be better people, then maybe that friendship is not as real as you thought it was. And who are the sharp people in your life who are helping you to be sharper? Is this important? Well, Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Same source, right? Look at what he says. Proverbs 4, 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Do you know what we need? We need better friends. We need people in our lives who we can invest in, and they can invest in us, and that will make all the difference. There's a guy named John Collins. John had a goal in life. He had been looking at the Guinness Book of World Records and decided that he wanted to create the world's perfect paper airplane. One that would fly farther than any other and he wanted to break that record. So John took about three years of work and research and study and he created what he viewed to be the perfect paper airplane and he named it the Suzanne, of course. And he designed this and said, I really do believe that I have created the perfect paper airplane. And he believed that he would be able to take that paper airplane and that he would then use it to break the world record. I have not created the world's perfect paper airplane. I have created the Chad in this moment. He had one problem though. He knew this was like the perfect paper airplane. He just knew that when he threw it, he wasn't getting the results that he wanted. So he contacted a friend of his named Joe. Joe had been a quarterback in college football and said, Joe, I've got the airplane, you got the arm, what do you think if we do this together? And so the two of them got together and on February 26th of 2012, the pair broke the world record that had stood for about nine years, a flight of 226 feet and 10 inches. Tom, that was way too close, I apologize right now. No record for me. But they were able to do something that nobody else had been able to do. You know why? Because they did it together. They made each other better. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And Proverbs has spoken to us today about just a a very practical side of our lives with our friendships. The reality is that when we speak about something like this, for some of us, talking about friendships actually makes us lonely. 
But I would encourage you that if, if you struggle in your relationships, would you surrender that part of your life to God and let him help you in that? For some of us, we've been, we've been wounded by friendships in the past. And I would encourage you to allow God to help open up those areas because there's no healing without vulnerability. For some of us, today's been a challenge, not just to consider the friends we have, but to really consider the friend that we are. And to ask God to help us to, to maybe change some things about our lives. And Jesus said there's no greater love than for someone to lay down their life for their friend. The reality is that that's exactly what he did for us. And maybe for some of us, the best thing that we can do today to recognize that we need Jesus to be our very best friend. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word, for how it speaks to us, for, for how, it, how it makes us better. And Lord, I pray that as your spirit speaks, help us to evaluate the friendships that we have. And if there's things that need to change in our lives, that, that you'd help us to do that. Lord, even more, would you help us to be the friends that we're supposed to be? Reliable, peaceful, honest, trusted. That those that are in relationship with us would be better as a result. And God, we, we know this only happens when we make you the center of our friendships and of our lives. As we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for being here. See you next Sunday.